Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. For all things Miami Dolphins related, head to DolphinsTalk.com. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Chris Colon. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? How the hell am I, Sam? I'm great. I'm finally, finally broadcasting live straight from my brand new Dolphin Man Cave, and it is B-E-A beautiful. I've seen pictures on Twitter. If you have not seen pictures on Twitter and you're listening to this broadcast right now, you uh, need to go on Twitter and check it out. I am A, very jealous, A, very impressed, or B, very impressed, and C, um, pretty embarrassed because you've been in your house all of about nine minutes and have already figured out <laughs> How to finish off your man cave. I've been in my new house for about nine months, and I'm like, well, I got the poster of Perfectville up in the background. I, I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like the first priority, of course. We knew going into it uh, – put it this way. The, the best way I can explain it, um, we don't have a couch in the living room downstairs. Oh, who needs a couch but in the we, living room downstairs? Nobody needs <laughs> right. that shit. But we do in the man cave because we knew this is where we're going to spend most of our time. The fall is creeping up quicker than you can say, you know – Fuck the Jets. And we knew we were going to be up here. Uh, we already got a portable AC unit up here because it's above the garage. I've already got Golden Tea set up. Um, and uh, per the video I just took, and I will post that later, a little tease. Um, you'll see all that kind of in the background. But, yeah, we got it painted. We got uh, decorations on the wall, the the swag. Mm-hmm. And I made a priority, Sam. My last Man Cave, Man Cave 1.0, was kind of a smorgasbord of things. It was just uh, Pacifico signs, Jaws, Stranger Things, sprinkled in dolphin stuff and painted dolphins colors. When I moved here, I said, no, this is going to be a Miami Dolphins man cave. It's going to have Dolphins stuff, and that's it. It's going to match the paint, and we're going to rock and roll with this thing. And uh, we're going to have a lounge downstairs where the more um, you know, Avengers, Marvel stuff, and all the other things I like can all mix in together with the Funkos and stuff. But this is the Dolphin man cave, and now my studio. You are uh, a bougie-ass North Carolina motherfucker. You're like, well, I'm going to have the Dolphins man cave, and then in the East Wing, we'll have the other stuff man cave. Look at you. Good for you on the come up. I appreciate that. You're also making me feel real bad right now because I'm starting to hang everything on my wall around the studio here, and uh, it's mainly Dolphin stuff, and I look over and I have a Daryl Strawberry from the Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> because I needed to fill the space and I don't have any more Dolphin stuff, and it's like, well, one of these things is not like the other, but uh, at least I got well, it on the wall. Is- at least yours is Dale Strawberry. Mine's like Dan Ugla from yeah. the Marlins. Dan Ugla won a goddamn ring. Dale Strawberry just sat there striking out three times out of four every time he came up for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, fuck you, Dale Strawberry. I don't even know why I have your goddamn jersey. Oh, well. Um, no, shout that's- out to Popeye Arms, Dan Ugla, though. That guy was dope for a few years in Miami. And shout five out- draft and shout out to Daryl Strawberry, who totally redeemed himself with one of the best celebrity appearances on The Simpsons of all time. That's one of the best episodes of The Simpsons ever was uh, Daryl Strawberry playing uh, right field. He's fantastic in everything he does, even in the Coke. So uh, good for Daryl Strawberry. And, uh, of course, refresh on The Simpsons with Disney Plus, guys. And you can watch that anytime. Wait, they're not a sponsor. 
No, we're not. Uh, we're not talking about Disney Plus. They're not sponsoring us. We have here are our sponsors for this episode. You're going to hear it a little bit later in the show. But we have a gambling website. We have CBD Pot, and uh, I mean, like, wow, Chris, we've we've made it after five years. Yeah. Our sponsors are basically gambling, drugs, and hookers. Uh, we've we've finally hit the home run that Daryl Strawberry couldn't hit when he was on the Los Angeles Dodgers all those years ago. If I can give you a peek into like when me and Sam started this show. It, it, it like Tarantino, it started with, all right, what are we going to end with uh, and kind of retire and finally know we made it? And it's literally those advertisements. So we're we're there, man. Yeah, this is our last episode ever. It's a weird way to announce it <laughs> six minutes into a show, but this is it. This is all over. We, uh, we got hookers. We got drugs. We got gambling. We don't need podcasts or the citizens of Perfectville anymore. Uh, obviously, just kidding. We're going to be here for quite a while longer. Uh, but seriously, if they start providing us with hookers... Uh, it's going to be even longer in between shows. Just letting that, letting everybody know right now. Well, and I've got the room for it now, so bring them on. <laughs> well, over here is the Dolphins Man Cave, and then over here is the Lounge, and then the West Wing is the Hooker Room, the Hooker Den, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And then we'll fly over to the West Coast, see Sam, and he has uh, those things you sit on and they spray water into your anus. The bidet. I actually just hey, got off you. the bidet uh, <laughs> a little while ago. I wasn't taking a shit or anything. I was just like, I haven't seen this bidet downstairs in a while. I'm going to uh, make sure it still works for the next 10 minutes. So I, I just picture you sitting there kicking your feet going, <laughs> as it just like tickles your, your your brown eye i mean that's ridiculous my feet are way too long to actually kick them around they're just placed pleasantly on the floor on the linoleum in front of the toilet while i giggle like a child as the water sprays my bum bum your bum bum yeah it's so mature i love it well, here we welcome are yeah welcome to perfectville ladies and gentlemen we're five minutes in we've talked about drugs we've talked about hookers we've talked about poop but we haven't talked about the miami dolphins the reason why you guys listen to this podcast well maybe part of the reason why you listen to this podcast is that we talk about all things miami dolphins we are perfectville you are the citizens of perfectville and the fans of the miami dolphins are going to be in the stadium this year chris we just talked about this on the very last episode of perfectville you and i talked about this on episode one of season five where we said you and i would certainly not go to any games in 2020 but if they wanted to do it there was a responsible social distance way to do that and then curiously chris about two days after we dropped that episode tom garfinkel the miami dolphins come out and said you know what uh we're not going to tell you where we came up with this idea but there's this amazing idea that was out there by two guys who uh are the mayors of a town that we know of and they gave us the game plan on how we can have fans citizens i mean fans in the stadium. So here's the deal. The Miami Dolphins are going to have a maximum of 13,000 fans in Joe Robbie slash Dolphin Stadium slash Hard Rock, whatever the fuck it's called these days. Um, what do you think? What do you think about the Miami Dolphins having a plan for social distance fandom for the home games here in 2020? Well, I think it's great. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, I think it's awesome. And I think it's great that they came down to this random number of 13,000, not 10, not 15. 13. Why 13, Sam? I don't know. Is there a guy that played for the Miami Dolphins that wore a certain number that might have some significance to 13? Mm, I don't know. He might work for the team. He might have heard of him. Might have named, his name might have rhymed with Fanfarino. But um, yeah, 13,000, kind of a lot like we said. You got to wear a mask. Uh, you show up, you get invited. It's reservation only. It's not all season ticket holders, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And um, you can go and you can go to the game. You can cheer on the Miami Dolphins. I think it's going to be cool. It's probably going to weed out most likely 
going to weed out any non-Nadal fans in the stands. I don't think they're transferable. I haven't seen the fine print. Maybe they are, but I can see them not being transferable. And it's not like Buffalo Bills fans can take some tickets and, you know, keep up a, uh, socially distanced uh, aisle of a of the stadium, so it's going to be pretty cool, and I can't wait to see it because even just a little bit, like we said last episode, a little bit of fans can uh, change a little bit of an outcome. Because I played in high school in front of five thousand, and it was like uh, you know if they, can, if they get loud, you hear them. So thirteen thousand, these guys will still feed off that, and that'd be pretty sweet. Well, and it's a little bit of an advantage for Miami, even if every other team did 13,000 as well, because when you think about how Hard Rock Stadium looks now, they have that canopy, right? So it's almost a dome. So it does keep a lot of sound in because that canopy reaches over the top of where the fans would be sitting and out onto the field. So as they're cheering, even if it's 13,000, that sound's going to bounce off the top of that and come back down. So it's going to be even louder than what it would be, say, if they were just outdoors completely where the sound's just going to get lost to the ether. Um, But is 13,000 too little or is it too much or is it just right? in your opinion, uh, for what the Miami Dolphins are planning on doing here in 2020. It's just right because, yeah, yeah, if you have too little, it's like, what's the point? And then it just feels like uh, it's just family only and whatever. But um, if you have uh, too many, then you're really, really getting close to putting your feet to the fire. And all of a sudden there's spread of COVID and it just ruins it for everybody. So this way it's manageable. Uh, it's not going to be like they're going to be running behind when they're taking temperatures to come into the stadium, things like that, because they're going to ask them the stream, uh, screening questions, all of that jazz. They're going to have um, uh, automatic menus to like uh, order food and things so there's no lines. So um, like we said in the last episode, Sam, if I can go to a grocery store, I can use the public restroom. If I can go to the bank, um, if you can go to any random store at- anywhere and you're standing within five, four, three, two feet of each other. Um, and you can still keep your distance enough, wear a mask, wash your hands. If we can do that on a day to day, why not let a small number of folks into the uh, stands and let them root on their team? I think it's going to help our players and it's going to motivate them and it's going to be nice for the fans that get to go um, and, and enjoy a really special experience because this is just unlike something we've ever seen before. You know what I like to, you know, I like the fact that they're interviewing them about their conditions, right? Because secretly, this means we can actually audition who we actually want inside the stadium, too, right? Like if a guy <laughs> shows up and he's wearing all Jets gear, like what traditionally happens in South Florida when the Jets and the Dolphins play, and we could be like, no, you actually had a temperature of 110. You can't go in. Or yep. like 110, you're like, I'd be dead. I was like, well, then I guess you should go to the <laughs> hospital and not worry about being at this game, sir. Yeah, then we have another guy who comes in and maybe he's got 103 or 102.5 but he's covered in aquamarine and coral uh that guy's getting in and we're giving him a nice pack and we're sitting him over there in the corner and saying (laughs) enjoy the game uh and hopefully don't die on our watch i mean we have the ability here to pick the 13,000 fans that we want uh strategically not suggesting the miami dolphins would do that of course i'm just saying if i were in charge that's what i would do well, now they will that we said it. <laughs> yeah, next week, uh, Miami <laughs> Dolphins holding auditions for best fans. Top 13,000 get to come in. Send in like a 30-second or less video and hashtag tweet why I should win. Um, and you have to like actually audition. That'd be fantastic. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, they really could do that. Like Just like this joke of a Bills fan shows up and you know back soreness and red and scratches everywhere because you just got rock bottom through a plastic tailgate table. And they're like, um, God, what'd you say? You said you have been sick and all. Last 24 hours. Uh, medics, can we? Can we? Thank you. What? No, oh, yep. Medics, him right there. Yep. Ugly one. Red, white, and blue. Yep. Bye, sir. Have a good day. Uh, enjoy the wings and just move on to the next guy. And we just have reserves. We can call him from the bullpen. Be like, hey, hey. Yeah. IE, IE. 
E C I E. You're in. You're in. Bill Fan out. You're in. And just have like fans waiting to get kind of called out from like you know su- supermarket sweep. They're like, who has the cold cuts? Cold cuts. You're up. You're in. You get to come into the game. Special shout out to uh, Supermarket Sweep, which yeah. is on Netflix, by the way. That's a fantastic. Say, show. Nobody remembers how they actually pick the people in the they audience. They pick them by giving random people random. They'll be like stove. I, who's got the stove top stuffing? And like you just jump up and you go on, which I think still was. Now that I watch it now as an adult, it seemed very pre-planned. Well, of course it was pre-planned, but what I'm saying is you had no recollection of that other than the fact that you watched it on Netflix recently, which is fine because Supermarket Sweep with Greg Proops or whatever the fuck his name was was an amazing show. But I'm just saying you didn't pull that out of your ass, even though you have a great memory, not ass. Uh, you would you wouldn't be able to pull that little nugget out of there. Um, no. But- but no, I appreciate the, I appreciate the reference though because I love Supermarket Sweep. Um, here's what I want to know: There's two other questions about the fan thing that I, I that I that I that I think maybe you can give me some insight on with that big old brain of yours. So, thirteen thousand people there, most likely going to be healthy young Miami Doll fans for the most part. Um, are they going to pipe crowd noise in still? Do you think the Miami Dolphins would go as far as to still make it louder, even though they're going to have thirteen thousand fans that primarily will be on their side? If you can, I think you should. Okay. Because there's going to be other stadiums that don't have fans and they're going to have full on sold out stadium noises being piped in. So if we're going to say, Oh, well, we got 13,000. That'll do. No, that's not enough. I want piped in music, uh, you know, sound with it. I think if you get the 13,000 going spot with the piped in music. So if you start like the defense. <laughs> defense and they kind of pick it up and match the sound maybe lower it a little bit to make it sound pretty standard and normal but i think if you can if the rules allow it you use every rule imaginable to make it a fair home field advantage okay well i uh, i don't disagree with that i think the music will be blaring either way i was just wondering if they're going to actually double or triple the sound noise that they actually have there to make it sound like maybe there are 65 or seventy thousand people in the stands um or i guess if you're going to triple thirteen thousand that'd be thirty nine thousand but whatever uh i just like the fact that they have the exact on a social distance uh, plan, the Miami Dolphins have the same amount of fans that could come into this stadium that the Las Vegas Raiders would have at capacity uh, because that's as many fans that will actually go to a Las Vegas Raiders game this year. Um, But the last question I have before we move on to the next topic here, Chris, and we have a lot to get to on this episode of Welcome to Perfectville. uh, What are the ticket prices going to look like? I didn't see anything on that. Did they announce if they're raising ticket prices to kind of absorb uh, the hit they're going to have for having less people there? Are they keeping it the same price? Are they lowering the price? What is is the ticket price going for a Miami Dolphins game on a social distance uh, contract? There's two ways to look at this. One is um, they lower it because uh, it's COVID and you're risking your life. And then there's the other way to look at it, and that is uh, capitalism. And that is them to say, hey, guys, how bad do you want to be here, right? right. This is right. $1,200 a seat. And I swear to God, there's 13,000 Miami Dolphins fans and fans of any other team that's going to do it. And they're going to pay it. And they might give you like this, uh, you know, a Ronde Bagston koozie and um, a T-shirt that's got the old logo on it with like a Brock Forzy jersey to make it like seem like it's worth that much. Which with their Ronde Bagston koozie, it is uh, clearly another idea stolen by Tom Garfinkel. God damn it, Chandler. But um, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't know yet. I, like you, I have not seen what the prices are, what they will be. But uh, they're either going to go one route or the other. And it's going to be, hey – uh, thanks for being here. Just give us what you can or donate to a donate, uh, COVID donation, um, charity, or they're going to say, uh, yeah, you're very lucky to be here. You got chosen. It's $8,000. Yeah, would it be funny if they came out with a clarifying press conference and said, uh, actually, the 13000 was the cost of the ticket, not the amount of fans <laughs> that we're going to have. We're going to have five fans, and they're going to cost 13000 each. And uh, It's just we're gonna... Jimmy Buffett and like Fergie and J-Lo. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one of the Williams sisters, the one that's not playing tennis anymore. And then, uh, and, and that would be it. That would be, uh, those are our five people in the stands, and they each that's pay 13000 And then they're clearly piping in sound at that point. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's just a, just a wave of cheering going on. You're like, well, okay, but uh, Serena Williams, I can see her over there, and she's not even cheering. So how, how are the other four doing that? Uh, well, that's a lot of talk about Dolphins and citizens of Perfectville. Um, I, I want to move on unless you got anything else on the actual uh, mechanisms of the fans being in the stadium here, Chris. No, good luck to everybody that's going. And if anybody does have any more info, please shoot us a tweet or an email to the show and, and let us know because uh, I'm very interested to find out what that looks like as far as cost and uh, any kind of rules and things like that because it's literally like two weeks away. Yeah, well, speaking of rules, there's a weird rule that was invoked this week by the Miami Dolphins that cost them their fifth-round pick, Curtis Weaver. Chris, I know you heard about it. I heard about it. We both tweeted about it. Lots of controversy on Twitter and social media and just everywhere with regards to what happened here. Curtis Weaver was actually waived by the team. He was put on waivers, and uh, I think the idea was that they could put him on waivers, he would clear waivers, and then they could bring him back on the practice squad, Uh, but he did not clear waivers. He was actually claimed by the Cleveland Browns, so the Miami Dolphins picked in the fifth round uh, a player that will be playing for the Cleveland Browns this year. Now, granted, he was a fifth round pick for a reason, and usually fifth round picks aren't really, you know, the odds are kind of against them to make it in the league. But I got to be honest here, Chris, this guy, other than Tua, was my favorite pick for the Miami Dolphins this year. I thought he was a super value pick. Uh, He was a guy that uh, I think dropped in the draft because of injury and maybe some weight concerns. But when you watch him on tape, this is a guy that can actually get to the quarterback. And that's the one thing on defense that we needed to shore up more than anything. We spent a lot of resources making sure that we had defensive ends and outside linebackers and pass rushers. This guy seemed to be a part of that plan, but he is no longer on the team. It sounds like he got injured and he wasn't going to play this season because of a foot injury, but I do think they wanted him on the team. They gambled and they lost. Uh, What are your thoughts on Curtis Weaver no longer being on the Miami Dolphins here in 2020? I got to admit, at first, I kind of overreacted. I was upset. Um, all we talked about during the draft and slightly after the draft was how big of a steal this guy was. Right. Uh, like he was like leading Boise State with all these sacks and he was a dominant pass rusher. And uh, he, his only knock was that he played at a quote unquote smaller school, not one of the big power conferences. Um, and then if he gets the opportunity, he's going to be a real big guy for us, especially like third down pass rushing and things like that. Um, and then the more I found out about what we had to do and what the process looked like was we're a very young team. We brought in a lot of pass rushers and free, uh, free agency and in the draft. And if we were to keep this guy on the team, we, we could not have just put him on IR because he was not a vested veteran. He was a rookie. He has no playing time, no experience. So we had to, by rule, if we're not going to keep him on the roster, uh, keeping a very, very needed roster spot, especially with COVID, when you never know who's going to have a positive test, a false positive test, going to be around somebody that needs a quarantine and all of a sudden next man up. If he's out for the year, he can't keep up. He can't keep that spot. He can't take that spot. We, we, we really need that spot. And it's one of those things, if he was a first or second round pick, that's probably going to happen. We gambled. We cut him, hoping he would clear waivers and we can stash him on the IR. It didn't happen. And it wasn't just the Browns. Supposedly, if they didn't take him, the Giants were next to the line and there was multiple other teams uh, interested as well. Yeah. And that's what kind of – sorry, Sam. And that's what kind of gets me on the flip side sad about it because that means other teams saw the uh, upside there and we didn't. And I don't know if we gambled and lost or if he just didn't do enough for us to even give a shit. But based on what Flores said, he came out and said, look, we make decisions you guys have no idea what's going on about. So there's something there 
um, and him being out a whole season was just not worth the wait in their eyes. Brian Flores is right. They make decisions that we don't have all the information about. So we can only go with the information that we have. And based on the information that we have, I think the Miami Dolphins gambled here and tried to stash him away uh, by having him clear waivers, and it didn't work. They lost. It rolled crapped out, you know, whatever you want to call it. The Miami Dolphins gambled and lost when it came to Curtis Weaver, and I think they're going to uh, live to regret this. I really do. I think Curtis Weaver's got a lot of talent. I think Curtis Weaver, if he'd gone to anywhere but the Browns, would be guaranteed to have a pretty good season this year if he was not injured. And then for his entire career, but he isn't. He's no longer with the Miami Dolphins. I, I think we screwed up. I think there could have been a more creative way to keep him on the team other than the scenario that you just put out there. Um, and look, I'm not very critical of Brian Flores. I'm not very critical of Chris Greer. I think those are right choices for us. I think the proof is uh, you know, in the pudding at this point. Um, but I am going to question them on this. I think this is probably one of the first missteps I've seen that collective duo have since they've come into power here for the Miami Dolphins. And you know what? That's going to happen. Uh, nobody is perfect, and we're going to move on. You know, I don't think it, it's going to affect us right away, but I do think it was a mistake, and I think uh, I think long term, the Miami Dolphins are going to look at that one and go, "Whoops, we missed on that." Well, and that won't be the first time we've seen it as uh, fans, uh, but it is one of those things where uh, it is just an odd, odd uh, um, season and the thing we're dealing with right now, and we just couldn't afford with such a young team and that being such a position of need to keep him when we know he's going to be out this season, uh, taking up a roster spot. And that's what we ha- would have had to do to, to keep him on the team. From what I understand, if the rules are different, I don't know, because I've seen different things too. If we just kept him a week and then put him on the IR after cu- first initial cuts, we could have done that. So in that case, that makes me feel like he was lazy or didn't show something or um, uh, they're just bad with their roster management. And they haven't been too bad in that front recently. So I will give him a pass for now. But uh, I, I think I agree with you. He might be one of those guys And our buddy, Kevin Duran, a good friend of the show did come out and say he's a very one dimensional pass rusher. That's really all he can do. He doesn't help against the run. Doesn't really do other things. Uh, but those are things that can be coached, especially a fifth round guy that played at Boise State. You get him with the NFL uh, coaching staff. So I feel like we might be kicking ourselves in the ass here sooner rather than later. Yeah, he was one-dimensional, but that's why he was a fifth-round pick. I mean, the one thing that he does well, that one dimension, is get to the quarterback. He was drafted to get to the quarterback. So you can't throw that stone at him after the fact and say, well, he wasn't good against the run and he didn't make a good quiche. No, those aren't things that you drafted him for. You drafted him uh, to get to the quarterback and hit him. You know, I mean, that that's literally what, uh, as you've said on this in the past, see ball, hit ball. That's what he was meant to do. Uh, I do think, it, look, it's it's kind of odd for a rookie, uh, a rookie to be amongst the first cuts, especially a drafted rookie, unless there's just some severe something severely wrong, like they, you know, they screwed up and got arrested, or you know, they they are severely injured, or something along those lines. And yes, he is injured. I get all that. It just seemed like a weird gamble. It seemed like we gambled to try to keep him and stash him away, a very kind of New England Patriots, Bill Belichick sort of thing, and it backfired. And uh, I, I'm just going to remember this in three years when we trade for Curtis Weaver and we have to give up like a second-round pick to go get <laughs> this guy, you know? I was <laughs> like, whoops, we, uh, we really fucked up on this one. Yeah, please don't wish that on me. He's going to be the next Carlos Stansby that's good on every team but ours. And I think he played for the Browns, too. So um, completely unrelated. I'm watching NFL Total Access, and uh, Carson Wentz is on, and he looks exactly like Sami Zayn. No, Carson Wentz and Sami Zayn are the exact same person. I mean, you couldn't even say they're separated at birth. I think they were. They were. They are the same person. I mean, once Carson Wentz is uh, playing football, you don't see Sami Zayn uh, wrestling. And once Sami Zayn's mm-hmm. wrestling, you don't see Carson Wentz playing football. They are the exact same person. And we've never seen either of them at the same time 
as El Generico either. That's also true. There might be a third one, or they might all be the same. We're not exactly sure. There's a, a fraction of our audience here tonight, Chris, that doesn't know what the fuck <laughs> no we're talking about right Google now. Google it. All right, Chris. So a uh, surprise cut of Curtis Weaver. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. Whether we like it or not, he's no longer on the Miami Dolphins. And there's going to be more cuts to come for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you think there's going to be any surprises in there? Anybody that's going to make us go, whoa, didn't see that one coming. Yeah, there might be a surprise or two, and it might come from the wide receiver crew in the defensive backfield. I can just see somebody that uh, is a fan favorite, even a, uh, another running back possibly. Uh, I'm hearing rumblings of, you know, Miles Ga- uh, Gaskins doing a lot of good stuff, and uh, I can see him upseating Patrick Laird for a position on team, which, you know, he's not the greatest guy in the world, but definitely known by the fans because, of course, he's a r- white running back. So uh, everybody points him out and just wants to think he's better than he is. But he did some good things with us. I'm just messing around. But honestly, uh, other than that, there's always surprise cuts, man. There's always fan favorites. There's always the the guys that you're like, you know, Asiata a few years ago. Everybody thought, right. give him a chance to start, and it's like he's cut. What do you mean? Now he's a cop. So it's <laughs> like we don't know what we're talking about sometimes, and that's proof. Uh, but absolutely, I think we're going to see some surprise uh, cuts. And I think one of the cool things watching Hard Knocks that I saw, um, Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, came out and he's talking to the players and he's like, look, if you work hard for me and you bust your ass, even if you don't make this team and other head coaches, this is the quote I like, if other head coaches are calling me and asking about you, I'm going to tell them. So I, I, I'm sure that's been out there before, but it's the first time I really heard it that like other head coaches are like group texting and they're like, Hey guys, I need a corner. How do you feel about Anthony Smith? And they're like, that guy worked hard for me. We just didn't have room for him. I'd definitely give him the thumbs up. And they're literally asking, they're networking each other, even though this is a competition, this is a league. These head coaches are in a fraternity and, and they're, and they're talking. So there's going to be cuts. There's going to be guys cut from other teams that might fit Flores' uh, defense and offense, uh, better. And even with, a very, and especially with a very limited preseason, no preseason games, uh, guys that maybe in normal circumstances would uh, make the team by showing out in preseason games won't have that opportunity. So uh, you're going to see a lot more guys uh, get cut that are going to be a surprise. Well, two things on that topic of all the head coaches being in a group text message. I love that uh, that visual of everybody sitting around their phone uh, using poop emojis. I know for a fact <laughs> if there is a group text of head coaches in the NFL, uh, that douchebag from the Los Angeles Rams is using all emojis to talk to everybody. That guy is annoying <laughs> as fuck on hard knocks. Like I know he's a good coach, he's a young mind and all that, but that guy is Mr. Positive on everything, and that just makes me want to punch him in the throat. It's like, shut up. You can say something negative about your player if he threw an interception. You don't have to be like, I like that passion bro i like that passion bro yeah passion bro poop emoji poop emoji poop emoji how come they're not texting back and then number two uh if there is a group text with all the head coaches in the nfl i guarantee you there's only 31 head coaches because nobody is texting adam Gase back i promise you he's not in that group <laughs> he's blocked he's he completely blocked 100 and andy reed still has a nokia yeah, he does. He's got a flip phone razor. Uh, speaking of Adam Gase, we're going to talk a little bit more about him and the stupid, lousy New York Jets on the second half of the show. But for right now, we got to go pay some bills, as they say in the radio biz. And we'll be back after these words. It's the most wonderful time of the year, citizens of Perfectville. Not only is it football season, not only is it Miami Dolphins season, it's winning season. That's right. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contests, and Squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice, Dolphins. It's time to celebrate the NFL season. 
Invest in your intuition. Use promo code PERFECTBILL and double your first deposit. That's right, double it. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. $1,000, ladies and gentlemen. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Amazon.com. That's right. Amazon.com. You know who they are. You shop there. I shop there. The entire world shops there. The website's worth a trillion dollars. Yeah, a trillion with a T. I can't even spell trillion, let alone figure out how much money that is, but I know it's a lot, and that's because everybody shops there. And since you're shopping there, why not help out your favorite podcast, this podcast right here, by going to welcometoperfectbuild.com and clicking on the Amazon link. All it does is take you to Amazon.com. No hidden fees, no extra charges. You shop like you always do, but by clicking on the link on our website at welcometoperfectbuild.com, you throw a couple extra dollars back our way just for clicking the link. So the next time you have the urge to get some Miami Dolphins bed sheets or Tom Brady wearing a dress t-shirt or whatever it is you buy at Amazon.com, just go to WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com first, click the link, and help a brother or two out. Amazon.com by way of WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com. It's that simple. Do it. Citizens of Perfectville, do you have aches and pains? And I'm not talking about the heartaches and the brain pains that the Miami Dolphins have given all of us over the last 20 years of football seasons. No, I'm talking about physical aches and pains. Bad back, bad knees, bad elbows, bad everything. Well, if you do have those aches and pains, I'm here to tell you I have a product that can help. From your neck to your back to your pussy and your crack, it doesn't matter where you hurt. Woke Smokes got your back. That's right. Woke Smoke Premium CBD Hemp Flower out of California. This stuff is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. I myself had to use this recently after laughing so hard at jokes that I wrote myself, I threw my own back out. Yeah, and I felt that I wasn't going to be able to perform that night because my back just was not letting me move. But I went and saw the good doctor, got myself a little pre-roll, got up on stage, and was able to tell those same jokes to a paying audience later that night. Granted, they didn't laugh as hard as I did at my own jokes, but that's not the point. The point is they had the opportunity to not laugh at my jokes because Woke Smoke Premium CBD Hemp Flower saved the day. Check out their new strain, Cherry Wine Valentine, just released in the last week. You're going to love it. What do you got to lose? You're already in pain, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And while they can't help with the spiritual part, Woke Smoke can certainly help with the emotional and physical parts. So rid yourself of all the aches, pains, and just bad stuff in your life and check out Woke Smoke Premium CBD Hemp Flower. Available at CaliforniaCBDHub.com. Woke Smoke. Stay woke. And we're back. That's right. It's Chris Collins, Sam Marcoux. Welcome to Perfectville. We're talking about the New York Jets. And I know you're going, why the hell are we talking about the New York Jets when this is a Miami Dolphins podcast? A, because we're allowed to do whatever the hell we want with our own show. And B, we got to know our neighbors, right? Even if we don't like the neighbors, we need to know who they are. And we talked about the New England Patriots last week and the fact that they fucking cheat all the time and everyone gives them a pass, including Chris Cullen. Uh, but now we're going to talk about the New York Jets and what in the hell is happening in New Jersey. Uh, we talked about Curtis 
Weaver being cut on the first part of the show here, Chris. And then uh, maybe a non-surprise cut that was about to happen was Kalen Balaj, uh was reported to be cut by the Miami Dolphins. And I think both you and I were like, yeah, long time coming. No surprise there. But as it turns out, Adam Gase, Joe Douglas, and the New York Jets got on the phone with the Miami Dolphins and said, hey, we heard you're cutting Kalen Balaj. Can we give you a free draft pick for him? And the Miami <laughs> Dolphins are like, yeah, I mean, if you want to eat our garbage, that's totally fine with us. Here you go. And they gave Kalen Balaj, and they're like, you know what? Uh, he can get, he can take his playbook with him, too. It's totally fine. He doesn't have to turn that <laughs> the shit The same in. one in New York, probably. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't even know where his playbook is. He just left it somewhere. But, uh, yeah, Kalen Balaj traded to the New York Jets for a seventh-round pick. Uh, you know, for all the questioning that I had of Brian Flores and Chris Greer 10 minutes ago, Chris, um, I think they totally redeemed themselves two days later by trading <laughs> away basically, you know, fly dung to uh, Adam Case in the New York Jets. How in the hell did we get any sort of draft pick for a guy that we announced we were going to cut? There's got to be two reasons. <laughs> One of two reasons. One is um adam gase cannot accept failure and he will not gonna let he's not gonna let one of his draft picks uh get cut even though he's not on that team anymore so he was going to trade for him or two kalen balage has nude photos of adam gase like spreading his asshole it has to have something disgusting and he texted adam gase and was like if you do not trade for me I'm tweeting this. I'm putting this on Cameo. I'm putting on Instagram everything. Sam, I saw the funniest thing on Twitter, and I retweeted it right before we got on the air. Somebody said that uh, Adam Gase and the Jets pay for Costco samples. That's a perfect explanation for trading a seventh-round pick for a guy the Miami Dolphins is about to cut. He's like a fourth-string running back. And they they called us like it was already done where the guy was gone. We put his cleats in a garbage bag. He was out of here. And they're like, but wait, we don't want to risk a battle on waivers trying to get Kalen Balage. Can we just trade you a pick our division rival? And we're like, uh, yeah, sure. We'll take that. Good call. Like unbelievable, Sam, the, the action, the, the metaphor of paying for Costco samples was just absolutely brilliant. Do you think when they called uh, the Miami Dolphins to offer a seventh round pick and they're like, sure, but how are we going to get the seventh round pick to you guys? And they're like, just give it to Kalen Balazs. He'll leave it in the lobby and uh, we'll just pick it up later because he knows where the lobby is and he knows where to leave things in the lobby. Uh, yeah, Kalen Balazs going to the New York Jets does not scare me. And the only thing that does scare me about Kalen Balazs going to the New York Jets, Chris, is that it doesn't scare me at all until like all of a sudden two years from now and they were like fighting for the last wild card spot in the AFC playoffs and Kalen Balazs goes ham and goes 250 fucking yards <laughs> and three touchdowns plus throws one to their shitty quarterback on a reverse pitch, you know, whatever the fuck play that Adam Gase draws up when he wasn't paying attention to the defense and we'd lose 28-27 or some shit like that. That's the only scenario that scares me right now but I don't think that's really going to happen and the reason I don't think it's going to happen is a Kalen Balazs sucks and b Adam Gase is quite possibly the toxic avenger I mean this guy uh in Miami left in shame goes to New York and they figured it out in one year as opposed to three years here for the Miami Dolphins he's got his best players going get me the fuck out of town I don't want to play for this guy he's awful I mean what is it about Adam Gase that is the worst thing about him I mean there's plenty to choose from Chris but name one thing that's the worst thing about Adam Gase uh, just from the outside looking in as a former player, I think he's just arrogant. 
um, you have to be able to bend a little bit with your players, especially professional athletes. When you're a young coach, especially, and I know you just kind of shit all over him, but that's one thing Sean McVay does do well is that he's engaging. He talks to the guys. He also uh, admits mistakes. And that's one thing I just don't see Adam Gase doing ever um, is admitting mistakes. Like even with uh, him making decisions on Cutler and being asked by the media or even his decisions to like play Tannehill in practice when he wasn't fully healed, he just mis- it was just complete excuse after excuse after excuse and never took accountability, always blame the offensive line, always blame the defense. And those guys are going to take offense to that, especially when you're head coach of all the roster, not just the offense. He's still stuck in an offensive coordinator um, coordinator mindset. And we talked about this years ago when he was still our coach. Like you just mentioned before, he just ignores the defense when they're on the field. Dude, you're still their coach. You can't like agree with a, a linebacker coach benching a guy because he didn't perform and you didn't even watch the play. Like if you're going to sit there and go, hey, uh, Kiko, sorry, buddy, uh, you're not starting this week. Coach said that you had a bad game. And Kiko would be like, I made three tackles. Were you even watching? Why are you making this decision? And those guys are just going to lose respect for you. And I think it's even more telling that guys like Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell goes from this hard-ass coach, Mike Tomlin, who is, excuse me, a very, very disciplined but player's coach. They respect him. Uh, and Gase is disciplined as well, but obviously too much. He doesn't do the – you got to have a give and take, and Brian Flores does that really good, where he expects more from you. He demands more from you, but he'll also put your ar- his arm around you and ask you how your family is and learn your 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 wife's name and your kids' names. And, and, and that's something I just didn't see, and I wasn't in the locker room, obviously, but I can't see or even picture Adam Gase doing so. And I think that's uh, prevalent with him going on to another team, and literally we're just watching his repeat itself yeah I mean I think Adam Gase is probably this is probably last season in, yeah, uh, in New York I, I think he's back to offensive coordinator maybe even for a college program next year I think he's gonna get run out of the league because he's just got such a weird abrasive toxic personality that just rubs people the wrong way and in New York if you don't win and you have that personality uh, they'll run you out on a rail I mean check out Rex Ryan Rex Ryan was like the king of New York for like two or three seasons and all of a sudden they're like okay you blow hard you fat fuck uh, you keep saying the same shit but they're going nine and seven and we're not getting past the Patriots so all of a sudden all this blow hard talk that you're talking about we don't want to hear anymore get the fuck out of our town I mean that's what happens up there in New York whether you're on the Jets or the Giants I mean the fans just aren't going to fucking show up uh, for you if you don't win and speaking of that the fans are not going to show up for the New York Jets at all in 2020 so unlike the Miami Dolphins Chris who are going to have at least or at most 13,000 fans in uh, Joe Robbie Hard Rock Stadium Casino Don Shula Way whatever we're calling it these days (laughs) um, the New York Jets will not have uh, any fans, real or cardboard, uh, in the stands for for uh, their season? They've announced here in New Jersey that they're not going to even put cardboard cutouts in the in the crowd. Uh, the New York Giants, who play in the same stadium, will actually put the names of their season ticket holders on the on the uh, seats. But uh, the New York Jets are doing nothing. They don't want any crowds. They don't want any uh, cardboard. They don't want any of that shit on there. What do you make of the New York Jets having nothing in uh, in the stands there up in New York? It sounds like Adam Gase pulled uh, pulled. Uh leadership and said uh, i don't want any fans in the crowd so he doesn't get booed so yeah. it sounds like because um you know i get new york was a hot spot so, so was uh so was florida and so is florida so uh different in uh leadership of course politically probably has something to do with it but uh the jets are having no one in the crowd um uh, so they're not going to watch sam darnold waste another season of his promising was promising career and adam gase i think it's so funny adam gase has this uh 
uh, reputation or had this reputation of being a QB whisperer. And uh, Dolph fans all started kind of picking at that towards the end of his uh, tenure here with Miami. And we're like, was he the QB whisperer? Or did he have Peyton Manning? At was it that Peyton Manning was very, very good at his job? I mean, I think right. that I think the jury is in on that because now you've got Ryan Tannehill and he didn't do much here. Goes on to the AFC Championship game without you. Now he had Derrick Henry, of course, but uh, and then you get no excuse at all because you get gifted Sam Darnold, who to many people, me included, who watched him in college at USC, you're like, oh, that's the next best quarterback in the league, and he's just done nothing but been mediocre, being outshined by University of Wyoming's Josh Allen in the division. So uh, he's going to be he's very quickly tarnishing his. Uh, reputation. I agree with you. He might be out of not just the uh, league as a head coach. He might be out of the complete the game in, in general and back to either the XFL with the rock or in college uh, at FAU or some shit because just guys aren't buying into it at the pro level and you don't have Peyton Manning to lean on anymore. And now you're going to be more known for ruining the likeness of Ryan Tannehill and Sam Darnold as opposed to being known as the whisperer with Peyton Manning. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this and and you and you start to see like Adam Gase is called himself the QB whisperer, but all the quarterbacks other than one uh, haven't really done well under him. Uh, it's the equivalent of your personal trainer getting fatter and fatter every single month, but telling you <laughs> how good of a nutritionist they are. Right after a while, you start to look at them and go, eh, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true, and I don't think I'm going to pay you any more money to tell me what to do when I'm not going to listen to your fatter ass than me anymore. Um, you know, Adam Gase in, in New York, the thing is I'm rooting for him to somehow keep his job with the Jets because I know as long as Adam Gase is there, they're never going to get it right. You know, he's always going to be at best an 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven style coach. At worst, the bottom's going to fall out, and he's 3-12 and 12 or 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm rooting for him to stay with the New York Jets, but I, I think they're going to figure this out because they turn on him after one year it took us about two before we started questioning it so I think they're going to probably out him uh by the end of this year if not sooner and um unfortunately they're not going to have any cardboard fans in the uh in the in the crowd to boo him um it'd be funny though if all of a sudden they had cardboard fans there and then they're booing and Adam Gase is like why are you chiming in or, or piping in booing sounds and like we're not the cardboard is just angry and they've learned how to boo but uh and I guess that's just not going to happen for some reason, just all I imagined was uh, White Goodman in this cardboard cutout and dodgeball with the red eyes, just all of them in the crowd just waving to Adam Gase. And, uh, yeah, like you said, becoming sentient and uh, alive and booing him uh, out of nowhere. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know what's also hilarious? The fact that our little fantasy football league, the okayest football league ever, is now expanded to 14 teams, Chris. This is your Ooh. fault. We were at 12 after last episode. You said, fuck it. It's 2020. YOLO. Let's make it happen. We're up to 14. We've got all team owners. Our draft is September 7th. We're just a little bit about a week away from me picking the team that's going to kick the crap out of other 13 teams in this league. And then I'm going to win my championship belt or my championship trophy. We have a poll up right now on the okayest fantasy league ever to tell us what you want us to go out and get uh we already have to put one name on there from uh, mr jeremy hagan who won the league all last year yes. um yeah congratulations to him but uh fantasy football is starting up here chris how many dolphins players are you going to take well if last year was any indication none um <laughs> Dude, I was so bad last year, and it's because I picked non-Dolphins. So, like, I already started. I was in our, our good friend Jason's league, uh, and we had our first, uh, my first fantasy draft last night, and I uh, am stoked. I got Kamara 
And um, I got uh, Devontae Parker. I thought that was a steal, getting him out there. And I got Gusecki, a couple of rookies. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited, man, for the draft. And I, I got something to prove. I got a chip on my shoulder for sure. I'm normally pretty good at fantasy, at least in the top five. I was absolute dumpster fire dog shit in my own podcast league. And that just cannot happen again. Well, for anybody that doesn't know what happened to Chris last year is that he was late to the draft, so he started getting auto-drafts, and every single time, I shit you not, I wish I could have written the program, but he was they were drafting Bills players, Patriots players, and Jets players, and not the good ones. So by the time Chris was like, hey, am I late? Did it start? He looked at his roster, and he had six people that were all non-Dolphin AFC East people. He's just like, son of a bitch. And you know what? From there, it was all downhill. Oh, I was getting shit on by everybody too in the chat room. Like I joined up, like I, like I magically set my cue to pick all non-Dolphins players. Believe me, I'm not smart enough to think of something that funny. <laughs> and if, in all reality, I figured you did it as the commissioner. You fucked with me, but uh, that's what I get for being late. Uh, noted, uh, September seventh, I will be early with my guys, ready to pull the trigger and go and uh, prove myself this year. Well, he's got something to prove. I actually finished in the top three of the league last year, so I've got to have to defend my upper crust uh, crown. I'm going to try to get from bronze <laughs> to silver or gold. But, Your upper uh, crust crown? My upper crust crown there, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Only us upper crusters know about the crown. And apparently, That's got to be your name this year, upper crust crown. <laughs> upper crust crown. It might be. Why not? I changed it every single week, so I uh, might as well throw upper oh, crust it, crown. Actually, the- I'm going to throw this out here because I felt very creative. My fantasy name in that league I was talking about last night is Drop It to the Flores. Ooh, I thought that was I a like good one. That, that yeah. is. Drop it to the Flores and then. Yeah. Bah, bah, bah. I get it. I get John. it. I appreciate it. That's a good one. And that's what we always do. That we, we actually nominate who had the best league name or team name in the league every single week. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get this fired up here, Chris. And I'm excited about this episode. Episode two of season five. Much better than episode one of season five, Chris, in my opinion. Uh, we talked about how bad the Jets are and how shitty Adam Gase is as a human being and a coach. We talked about uh, <laughs> Kalen Balaj, uh maybe uh, not getting any greetings and salutations from anybody from Miami on his way out. Curtis Weaver, possibly a steal for the Cleveland Browns after we dropped the ball and trying to sneak him onto the IR. Uh, We talked about the Miami Dolphins having the citizens of Perfectville and Dolphins everywhere, or at least 13,000 of them in their stadium. Uh, We covered a lot of ground, Chris, on this episode, this very special episode of Welcome to Perfectville. We sure did, and that's what we do. We cover ground with our crusted crowns. We cover ground with our upper crust crowns. There you go. And uh, I don't think there's anything else we have to say after that little rhyme and ditty here at the end of the show. So I'll just ask you this, Chris. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here on this episode of Perfectville? Not until next time. Well, on behalf of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, myself and the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, there's nothing else to say other than goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Welcome to Perfectville as part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and was created by Sam Marcoux and Chris Cullen. Written by Sam Marcoux and Chris Cullen. Produced by Sam Marcoux and Chris Cullen. Edited painfully by Sam Marcoux. Listened to by the citizens of Perfectville. You can subscribe to Welcome to Perfectville on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. You can find our entire podcast catalog on WelcomeToPerfectville.com. So go there. Please. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.